All right, everyone, it has been about 45 minutes since our last episode. Nice to see you. <laughs> oh, I'm out of practice. If you can come up with any quips, I'll be amazed. Thanks, Mork. <laughs> Love the vote of confidence there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man, Rocky, when great... you throw that first punch, it's going to be sick. <laughs> what a great fucking way to get <laughs> Maybe we'll use that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you didn't record that. Yes, yes, we recorded that. You're right here. Let's see if Jesus Sam can fill Christ. in the first bubble on this scantron. <laughs> not even like, can you select the right one? Just, just, just choose a letter. See if you can, you can get. Go for a consonant. There are lots of consonants in there. Or maybe see if you can pick out the vowel. Come on. Honestly, only... not a bad lead-in to our subject today. You know, just thinking about like a dude getting his fucking face stepped on. Yeah, you have uh, you've had a rough one there, and yeah, that is um, I'd say one out of four panels of Black Lagoon. There is way more setup than I remember in a good in a good way. The guy's gonna be good at pacing stuff out. Oh, this episode's about Black Lagoon, by the way. We've been waiting way the fuck too long to do an episode just celebrating, perhaps my at the very least one of my favorite anime of all time. Yeah, I almost had a relapse. Not the drinky kind of relapse, but I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be funny if we did an episode about some, like, ironic trash you already knew would suck going in? And then Sam decided we would be men of purpose today. <laughs> we'll be people with dignity, and we'll talk about something that matters. So, this is about Black Lagoon. I remember when I first introduced Black Lagoon to you. Uh, this is Was now, this a like... Store? No, no, this is an anecdote that, you've re- that you have repeated several times now. Where I was, you know, for a frame of reference, I'm like, okay, so Black Lagoon, it's like Cowboy Bebop, but it's not <laughs> in space and there's no jazz. And you just kind of looked at me. Ah, oh, yes, the greatest pitch of our era, Cowboy Bebop without the space and jazz. Brought to you by Netflix. And <laughs> <laughs> we have cycled around that for years. I think we used that for us. Like, Samurai I want to say I said this well. ten years ago. Yeah. No, longer than that. Like, we were teenagers at that, like, high school at that point. So this was, like, more than a decade ago that I gave that I gave him this awful fucking pitch for what is, in fact, a fantastic goddamn series. And I stretched it around everything. I went with, like, darker than black, saying, like, you know, it's like a... <laughs> It's like a hero without the future or a teenage internal strife. <laughs> oh man, I miss Darker Than Black. We should... I never finished the second season, though. We should see how that went. Some people... It seems to split people along those sort of Korra kind of lines. Uh, okay, you know. I never actually watched a whole lot of Darker Than Black. It was a it was a fine, like, episodic action run. Yeah, yeah it seemed good. Just, you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are... Um, uninitiated which is fair given its release schedule black lagoon is sort of um the crime action manga of our generation oh yeah by a country fucking mile i do not know of anything in that genre that even fucking comes close to how great this shit is and it leaves it leaves a mental footprint like nothing else really feels quite like Black Lagoon, though Plenty sort of aspires to it. And it's such a mixture of real-world grit and problems, and also just an insane action throttle in the back of the guy's head. Yes. With just the words like... Yes, the man can write a fucking action scene. Yeah. And just wackadoo shit where he just thinks like, why isn't there a maid with a motorcycle in this panel? I, <laughs> I need to fix that. I think when uh, when we were doing our Gateway series episode, right, I mentioned Black Lagoon is a very good gateway anime, and I stick to that. Uh, I stand by that. It, it is a fantastic thing to show, I don't know, your friend who's, you know, more into just action movies or something like that. Yeah, if you have a John Woo addict in your life, I would maybe try to, like, you know how you feed dogs pills by wrapping meat around it? Mm-hmm. Black Lagoon could be like your anime version of that for just sneaking this whole mode into their life. For sure, yeah. I think when I discussed it then, I was talking about how its author, Rehuroe, has a very uncommon set of sensibilities 
uh, that he brings to Black Lagoon uh, that make it feel very much apart from the usual um, anime and even sign-in kind of Irv, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's tough to nail down exactly how he goes about writing it but like you know it's worth attempting to describe right we've got an hour to do this we do have an hour to do this um one thing i'll say it's especially um heavy early on is that he has that sort of tarantino pop culture kitchen sink yes thing going on where everything is orbiting around his brain and he sort of picks a few things per chapter to make it about he dials back the musical aspect of it as it goes on yeah, I think uh, it's got, like, a soundtrack. I mean, obviously Cowboy Bebop's got the better soundtrack. It has, you know, a soundtrack, and I think at one point, as far as, like, music, I don't know, there's this one scene where Revy listens Head to White yeah. Zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which is fun. Uh, not not Hellbilly Deluxe. This is White Zombie. <laughs> uh, here's what it is. You, um, you get this fantastic balance in Black Lagoon of... You know how anime does, like, a whole, here is this weird world that we're going to build right here. It has mm-hmm. very specific rules to it. Yeah. Um, and that is a lot of the time how world building works in anime, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And then world building outside of anime, we'll say. Just uh, just in general, outside of anime and manga, has a um, is a little bit less into the fact that, you know, this world has this set of rules and this set of things and is organized in this particular way. It just sort of, you know, builds the world. There's a fun little balance between those two sort of approaches to it that you sort of see. It's definitely one of those things where you can feel the general... Um, the best term is well-read, though this though his influence bag goes way beyond books and anime and manga, what have you. Certainly. I think I, there's very much just if, crime dramas and action movies are Rehuro's, um primary influences for writing Black Lagoon, even though it does have some shit that could really only exist in anime for certain. It Sometimes it doesn't feel like an anime so much as it does, you know, just kind of a 90s crime drama from Hong Kong. Of all places, sometimes like like you were talking about John Woo and like yeah. he is all over this fucking thing. Yeah, yeah like even the, the Chang character is basically like it's, a yeah, love letter to that. <laughs> and I almost imagine Ray Hiroi's brain as if he's if gone hard boiled a white zombie album, a sort of more standard anime action series, and like the the magazine section of the New York Times. And maybe the a thing is also, film. Yeah. Because the thing is also, not only smarter than maybe our description makes it sound, uh, it sound like, I think, I, whenever I talk about Black Lagoon, it, it almost sounds, I, I feel like sometimes it sounds like I'm talking about like a crime version of the God of High School or something. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of gunning on a smarter wavelength than that. Certainly, and yeah. it's certainly more plugged into certain things. Like the whole thing, um... I'm just going to steal your description from a previous episode because it's not plagiarism as if it's within our own podcast network. Sure. But there's this whole thing in Black Lagoon that's very concerned with how there's just this whole world of violence about three blocks down from wherever you're sitting right now. And it is always moving around you while you're not conscious of it. And how it's still, and how it is basically the force underpinning the world. And it is sort of your privilege to live in your world free of this sort of systemic violence. Yeah. Because it's got to exist somewhere, and it's going to exist here in Raranapur, where we find ourselves. We should explain the premise of uh, Black Lagoon who, for those who do not know. Oh, right. I was totally going to do that earlier, and I totally veered away from it. Mm-hmm. Happens. So, Black Lagoon has one of my um, favorite non-action guys. Oh, it hands down my favorite non-action guy. And his name is uh, Rokuro, who tends to be called Rock, and he is a sort of mid-high, mid... Oh, very, like, mid. Mid to to lower, you know, just salaryman. He's a Japanese salaryman. He's He's sent on a business trip to Thailand. And on this business trip, their boat is captured and held for ransom, and he is taken hostage 
by the crew of this boat called the Black Lagoon. And if that sounds like a pirate thing, it's because they are super into the pirate motif in this. Mm-hmm. And but this is like 1994 or so, uh, just uh, in, in terms of the setting. I think it's like mentioned once or twice that this is like the mid, mid-90s, maybe yeah. 94, 95, 96 around. Yeah. Uh, so tech is around that level for the duration of this. You know, you've got a character who is a non-vet who is not yet elderly the way that non-vets are now. Yeah. And um, after he's captured, he basically like just falls into this life because this sort of straight arrow company. Because fuck black companies. <laughs> black company, for those who do not know, is this sort of slang term in Japanese for companies who are into that whole like 70 hour work week you fall asleep at your desk you go out drinking every night yeah yeah. every company that just says this is your life now which in the march of things slowly becomes every company everywhere isn't it nice that that's one of the things we chose to culturally exchange i'm getting a 10 percent raise in january (laughs) yeah so yeah his company has shady dealings they abandon him and he ends up actually like joining this crew and i can only describe him as he's like the black pearl's office manager (laughs) (laughs) or he just brings this professionalism to this outfit of you know professional criminals who yes while they are professional criminals they do not know how to run a business in a way that you know everyone wins and he does so that is what he brings to it he brings that to it he also can just there's something it does, and it's gonna, I'm going to phrase it as a gag, but it's actually played very well. Mm-hmm. But in this world where everyone just shoots each other in the stomach first, <laughs> he can talk to people. It's like a fucking superpower. <laughs> it like it's fucking magic, yes. <laughs> he just has, he seems to be one of the first people to think, what if, what if there is no violence and not even like the implicit threat of violence in this particular business dealing that we are having right now. And he says this, and you could t- swivel around the two people at odds with, like, the tracking shot from Bad Boys 2. <laughs> <laughs> As a Donald's like, my god. <laughs> and I really enjoy that. Well, yeah, it's because it's, um... A lot of the time, you will have, like, this uh, series... And I've never really loved the, um... I've never really loved the whole non-action guy trope too much, uh, because usually it's just like, why the fuck are we following this asshole? I wanted <laughs> someone who could kick ass. <laughs> fuck this. It can really feel contrived under... I don't know, who's the least effective n- non-action guy where you're still into? I need, a, I need a word for, like, a line. Like, the ex-character line, like... <sighs> well, the least effective non-action guy who I still am kind of into. Um... What do you mean, least not- effective in terms of, like, effective storytelling, or least effective in terms of, like, man, does this guy not fight? I guess it'd have to be, let's say, uh, efficacy. Efficacy. Like, in-universe? Yeah. Uh, like, Arthur Dent? No, because, like, no one was really kicking too much ass in that series. It's just that he was just yeah. this normal fucking dude, and everyone else was just weird. Yeah, that's more uh, like so not a- Arthur Dent. <sighs> Alright, prepare your hate mail. All hate mail can go to blindmailbag at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I don't like Doctor Who. Maybe that's an example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eh. I don't even want to... I don't like Doctor Who either. And I, do, <laughs> I, and I do not even want like, to bring him into this conversation too much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Remember when, when like, Ron Stoppable was the non-action guy and he had so many fucking fans that they were like, what if not anymore? That was wild. That was wild. Although, actually, now that I think about it, seasons one through, what, three? Seasons one through three, Ron Stoppable, probably, like, the most effective execution of the non-action guy. Just, yes, he did suck, but he was so incredibly entertaining. He was entertaining, he was endearing, he did not go over the Bolin line. No, no, he was... I mean, yes, he was useless, but, like, he... Again, entertainingly useless. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. Uh, so, so you go he, back, we have a whole four-episode series on Korra. You can go watch me kick those shits yes. over there. So we find ourselves back to Rock, right? Who yeah. manages to make 
not being a violent asshole <laughs> looks so fucking cool because God is the series full of violent assholes <laughs> and the ineffectual lives that they lead. Uh, there is all right. So the other principal character in this show is um, Revy, yeah, who is this. She's really only good at violence, is the thing. She's this sort of um, kind of a hardened, street-smart gunslinger who takes a weird shine to Rock. They have a really fascinating relationship, and we'll get to that in a little bit because it's my favorite aspect of this series, like, by a pretty large margin. Her whole thing is that she's like... Yeah, you could just, like, fucking kill the guy, you know? You could just, like, fucking shoot him in his fucking head. Just fucking kill the guy. And then, like, no problem, right? Imagine a world... Where all you see is six different renegade interrupts. And, and because she is good at this, right? It has, you know, sort of worked for her, right? Because this is a world in which, you know, like, you can the make FBI are not going to be on you because the FBI are all the way over there and the CIA do not give that much of a shit about you because all you're doing is uh, killing other low lives in, you know, some, you know, some far corner of the world that they're not concerned with because there's no uranium involved, right? For the record, for the cool variation of topic in Black Lagoon, that CA line is a borderline spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> because they're actually, they do notice. But there's uh, there's this really wonderful art. So Revy, right, who's this, uh, she, she's got this kind of uh, interesting backstory in that she's from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, uh, she's from Queens, actually. <laughs> Nothing about her adolescence uh, went at all well, right? It just taught it her. It wasn't the plan. It just taught her to fucking hate the world, hate all of the people who live in uh, live in it, and feel absolutely nothing when one of them leaves this world. I always felt like a Jack from uh, Mass Effect, like someone who was writing her had watched this anime because I had never considered that. I could totally see that as a point of reference. It, it is a pet theory of mine. I have literally no proof because I haven't really... I know, sometimes you can go on Formspring and be like, Hey, so like... Uh, but I never did that. I'm probably never going to do that. So it just remains a pet theory of mine. So Revy has had the experiences in life necessary for her to feel kind of nothing when she shoots someone, right? Uh, it's been It's been that kind of a fucking life for her, right? And... What I super appreciate about Black Lagoon is that it basically, instead of just leaving that there as a, isn't that cool and fucked up, it sort of just becomes one of the philosophical, like, how valid is this worldview? And her whole development arc is like... Is her kind of learning that that this is wrong, but it doesn't, like, it never takes this moralistic stance on it, right? Yeah, it's a a struggle of this. She has a very, like, well-structured set of arguments as to why she is perfectly justified in feeling this way about the world, in, you know, being this way towards other people. And, you know, like, when you listen to her at, at, at... it is a well-formed set of opinions, you know, that are backed up by some amount of, you know, lived experience, and if not fact, then evidence? I don't know. The whole thing between her and Rock and the pop culture gods have been super convenient to me with this. Mm-hmm. But her thing totally makes sense from a survivor's perspective, yeah. and it's like, Rock on to introduce, like, can we strive his higher thing? And sometimes he's off base and she's off base. And the whole thing of them just, it's just like a whole recurring Gom Jabbar scenario. And he's just saying, but what if we didn't yank our hand out of this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, okay. I, I, I like that metaphor. Yeah, um, so thank you. Was it Legendary Pictures that did Dune? Who did Dune? Well, Denny Villeneuve. I'm gonna. I'm gonna thank Den- Villeneuve. Yeah, Den- <laughs> Denny Villeneuve here. Yeah. Um, right. Vill- Villeneuve. So, someone tell me how to pronounce his name. I don't watch interviews anywhere. Oh, that's why you're happier. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Thank. Thank you for that free point of comparison, man. That guy has an impe- unimpeachable like decade of movies. Good for him. Yeah. No. He's. He can't fucking miss. If, if Thirty Rock had Reaganing out, do you call that like Nolaning? Is he Nolaning right now? No, because there's, like, stuff that Nolan has done that I just flat out don't fucking like. What, like, be a Republican? Yeah, that, that might be true. <laughs> well, there was the whole thing. is like, you should go see Tenet in theaters. You have oh, to. Oh, man, that you was... You have to. <laughs> that was... 
<laughs> it's the right way to do it. It's the only way to do it. You should see it in theaters. That was his Joe Rogan moment. Is why can't I tell five minutes at the comedy store? <laughs> Fuck this virus. Back to Black Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> so it has that fun philosophical tug of war between those two, um, sort of informing a lot of it. And like, she's never looks exactly like a straw man, but she is like the the universe does or the narrative right does seem to think that ultimately she is incorrect. It does also think that Rock is hopelessly naive, at least at the outset, but it does think that, no, I don't think you're correct in being, like, this callous and this psychotic, right? Because um, pretty early on, there's this fantastic arc where she decides to be her old violent self because, like, the way that Rock is acting um, is starting to piss her the fuck off. So she decides... Instead of having five minutes of conversation with someone who is more than her equal in combat, she's just right. gonna start shit. And it just goes so unimaginably poorly for her the rest, <laughs> for the rest of the arc. And if she had just calmed the fuck down and been an adult about the whole situation, the arc wouldn't have happened. It would have gotten worked out within 10, 15 minutes like Rock was trying to have it get worked out. <laughs> but instead, she decided that she was going to be a badass. <laughs> look what that fucking got her. I think... Which the, arc are you referring to? Uh, the introduction of Roberta. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, Roberta shows up, She's in, like, and uh, Revy is in kind of a bad mood because, like, Rock has been, you know, Mr. Peacenik and she thinks that yeah. he's, a, like, she's kind of like, like, she's kind of got a crush on him at this point, but also his, uh, his views on life are, like, so diametrically opposed to her, hers that, like, it's able to get to her a little bit and she's all fucking mad. God. Someone, like, trying to philosophically pull your hair, but it's murder. <laughs> uh, and, and like, like the pigtails kind of thing, not like the bed. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yes. I get your metaphor at the very least. I hope it tracks in, you know, the actual recording. So, like, because of this, because, like, he's starting to, like, get to her in a way that she is uncomfortable with, she decides to be a fucking dick that night. (laughs) And she just picks the wrong person to be a fucking dick to. It's It's a very fun, it's a very fun inciting incident. And, like, the whole arc ends up just being about, like, yeah, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you almost <laughs> just got yourself and everyone else killed because, like, you think that being a badass <laughs> is the correct way to live your life. And it's I'm like, telling hey, you, it's not. You're just going to get unlucky and die next time. Stop lighting cigarettes with your gun. And it ends up being, like, the beginning of, like, a really fucking fascinating character arc for her. That's, yeah, not, yeah, that's she... still ongoing because, God, this guy takes for fucking ever to write. He is me or a slow. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to get some crime action, Miura, um, Black Lagoon's your boy. <sighs> Jesus fucking Christ. That's a little easier to, to live with because the thing is very into tight episodic arcs. Yeah, it's very, very much into its arcs, but the over, over all of it is Rock and Revy's individual character arcs, yeah. uh, which are far and away the most fascinating thing about this show. Uh like their arcs and how their arcs intersect in their relationship, which is this deeply complicated love story. I, I will call it a love story um, that involves sort of this sort of mutually dis- assured destruction on uh, on both of their parts. It's it's a it's perhaps not the healthiest relationship, but who cares? Healthy relationships in a series like this would be kind of boring. It is much closer to the kind of entanglements you walk into between the ages of 19 and 24 than henceforth in your... I, I believe that Rebby is herself, like, in her, like, early-ish 20s in this, uh, in this series. Like, I think she's, like, 24 so. and 20, or oh, 25. Yeah, Rock just, is maybe 30. I'm just talking more of just the, um, emotional... Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um... It, 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 it's a, uh... It is mentioned habit, somewhere what their habit. ages are. They're, like... Mid to late twenties, I want to say. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll have to. I, I will have to look it up at some point. Um, and yeah, it sort of plays to this wider theme of like how well these human sort of entanglements can play out in a world that is brimming with complications and violence and attached damage. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of um, non-romantic executions that too that are interesting. I. 
one that I was one that I was I was kind of like okay with, but was kind of okay, but that actually really grew on me was this the um, sort of quasi parental one with Roberta and the kid. I like that one. I like I, the relationship that uh, Bella Laika, the Russian mobster, and Chang, the Chinese mobster, have with one another. Yeah, like <laughs> it's this weird fucking. Remember Kotor two, Hanhar and Mira. It's like that. That's a fun reference point. It's these two who are at the top of these different organized crime organizations. And I guess there's sort of a mirroring because Chang's there like, I think we should only be a piece of shit 85% of the time. And Black is saying, they're like, but I won! <laughs> We're going to have to get like all into Bella like his character for me to explain like why I love her interaction with Chang so much. I mean, she's a former Soviet soldier who, you know, like fought in their failed invasion of Afghanistan in yeah. the 80s, right? Kind of got, like, cut the fuck loose. Uh, sort of, like, written off as, like, well, we're gonna sort of, like, push you guys off to the side. You did a bad thing. She got scapegoated, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, became disillusioned with, you know, the USSR. Kind of, like, came to Rowanapur, the um, sort of the made-up uh, Thai city that this all takes place in. Can you imagine screwing over a bunch of your own people on the way out of Afghanistan? <laughs> Man, who the fucking... <laughs> and she comes here to find a good way to die, right? And uh, yeah. she finds her match in... And this all this all of this happens before the series even begins. It's just kind of vaguely alluded to uh, a couple of times until it's sort of eventually spelled out for you. Yeah, around the 50s in the chapter count. Yes, uh, and she finds her match in this one... Uh, triad boss named Chang, who apparently I, has her on the ropes at one point and doesn't kill her. They have the... There is this great just panel, they're talking about something else with a little flashback to... They're both just in fucking hard-boiled veneers. <laughs> they were shooting at each other, and it's... Um, and yeah, the implication is that um, it could and should have ended in death, and they're both still here, and that's sort of a little and that, like, floating bond It bothers them. her. It bothers her so fucking much. Yeah. Uh, she, like... So, so all of the relationships in Black Lagoon look something like that. So, the the, the, the relationship between Rock and Revy, which is, like I said, the, the most fascinating thing about this show, is that... So, Revy is very, very set in her ways about sort of how she thinks people are and how she thinks the world works. Yeah. And Rock and his pretty firm belief in... No, you're wrong, right? It has been the first evidence she's ever seen, right? To perhaps shake that assumption. Yeah, he maintains a sort of fundamental decency in this environment yes. that kind of runs... Even whether it works on just its just survival, kind of runs counter to her understanding of the world, and that he, is the whole magnetic thing of it. Yeah, he doesn't even believe that the world is like this great place. He just believes that it is worth being a good person, right? Uh, that, like, even if it doesn't even fucking mean anything, he's just gonna do it anyway, just cause. Just cause fuck you. He's gonna be a better person than you, or he's just gonna be, like, a better person than, like, he's expected to be, because that's fun. He calls it his hobby at one point, and it's the most badass fucking scene in that it, series. That was great. <laughs> yes. This just so... Again, this shakes Revy so much to her core that it gets her fucking questioning things. And at first, she responds by being more violent than usual because, like, you know, she kind of overcompensates. And then, like, then she kind of, like, softens up. And the the thing that's happening, right, is that she is starting to maybe believe that he is right at the same time that Rowanapur, the city, and this world that he, uh, that Rock now lives in is making him very slowly a slightly worse and worse person as the days go by. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking, shit, if he starts to, like, if he ever becomes as bad as Revy... Execute the 11s. As bad as Revy thought that people were to begin with, she's gonna fucking kill both of them. <laughs> like, she's gonna kill him, and then she's gonna kill herself, and you're sort of like... You're really, really... It, it, the whole series now feels like this kind of race against time. It borderline just feels like a sort of spiritual Russian roulette. Yes. Um, as he, you know, becomes more and more affected by this horrible world that he lives in. Uh, and, you know, Revy, you know, becomes more and more I think... open to, like, what he originally said, even if he does not necessarily 
live that as much anymore. I think one of my favorite scenes in terms of that tension, and um, I guess spoilers here for an individual moment. If you don't like, you know, beats spoiled for you, then I know. We dedicate this episode to a manga. We've said it's positive. Go fucking read it, whatever. Yeah. It's all it's all out there in English and everything to mm-hmm. official like. Actually pay for this one. It's worth it. Yes, but, please, please do. Yeah. Have him make money from this so he can, like, be more about doing it. Like, hey, these are actually selling. I should I should write more of this faster. <laughs> please, please. I want to see this end in my lifetime. Right, but we were going towards the end of... um was essentially a completely contained full gangster movie, just in the throat full of Black Lagoon. There's this whole thing that happens in Tokyo. That's a fucking awesome arc. And she, before he sees someone um, sort of off themselves, is just screaming for him to look away from it. Like, yes. this will be more traumatizing than just any of the murders you've seen or even been, like, tangentially a part of. Like, this person that you know is ending their life. Yes, that was... This... God, that was a phenomenal fucking scene. I, like... And I, like, I am now actually, I always find something more to like about this series every time I uh, revisit it. I, yeah. like, I had not, I did not consider until this moment what a significant moment that is for her character. That she, like, cares enough now that he not see this terrible fucking thing that is about to happen. Yeah. Like, early her wouldn't have fucking given a shit. She'd have been like, yep, that's life. <laughs> <laughs> like, she didn't luck out. You should be glad that you're alive. Like, that is yeah. what the old Revy would have said. So, like, yes. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's a great fucking scene. And it speaks to sort of, like, the way that the two characters are changing. It's, it's, a, it's a very nice, tangible thing in there. Now, because we've ended up talking so much about themes and character, we've actually ended up on the opposite side of, of a coin. I was sort of worried to be in one, in one area. I think it is actually important in describing Black Lagoon that we also talk about all the sweet bullshit that happens. Oh yeah, there's a whole ton of sweet bullshit too. Yeah, <laughs> like I think we need to care to fully characterize this manga. I, I I I'm making it seem like it's this like deeply fucking serious thing at all times that it's all about like people sort of going on Sartarian like uh ex- I mean like they do talk about yeah like Sartre, all those but... infernal affairs departed whatever scenes are there they are there yeah but there is also a lot of. You're transporting an empty suitcase as a decoy for terrorists, and then a woman holding two kukri and her drug-addicted driver show up to try to take it from you. <laughs> they were hired as the driver at that point. Right. The point is that there are all kinds of 50-card pileups of insane... Not even nonsense, just different threads of insanity happening at the same time. Yes, there's a standalone episode kind of early on where... The where the Black Lagoon and its crew are being chased by a whole bunch of dudes on speedboats. And then there follows this action sequence where Revy, right? Kind of just like it's a regular Tuesday, just like just picks up a rocket launcher and just jumps around on these uh various speedboats, blowing them the fuck up and shooting to death anyone who remains. It may actually be my favorite action sequence involving a grenade gun. Cannot think off the top of my head how many action sequences involving grenade guns I've seen in my life, but like, yeah, this is definitely the best one. I might be forgetting the others. Maybe they're not as worth remembering. I just know I can unqualifiedly give that whole, that that entire total party wipe she executes. Yes. The entire sequence also does feel pretty well earned, too, because like, you could just, like, you the author, right? Mm. Uh, I... I remember I was sort of banging this drum when we were talking about Korra too, but in a, in a slightly different way. You, the author, can just say, and then, you know, she goes around with a grenade launcher and blows the fuck up at all of them. And, you know, you have that power and you can totally do that and it doesn't cost you anything. But it is not necessarily going to feel, like, earned or believable, I guess. Or, I mean, it doesn't even have to be believable. It just needs to be believable in the context of the story. And in the context of Black Lagoon, it's it feels so much like, oh, so this is this character and this is what they do. He does a really good job of yeah building the context for that violence, building the moment, building the scene itself. Like if you want to learn a lot about the uh, art of the action scene, I think we tend to focus a lot on sort of one-on-one martial arts style ones on this show because that's a fantastic tradition and I love it and I'm mm-hmm. watching Full Gear this Saturday. 
Hell yeah, motherfucker. That's not a plug, by the way. The only thing we plug on this show is Vamp Stamps. Tattoos you can get in the greater New York area from one Morgan Wright, who is currently waving at the microphone. <laughs> it would be an awesome shot that they are doing, but unfortunately, this is a pure audio podcast. Mm-hmm. That said, excellent things across a variety of themes, including, by the way, uh, anime shit, so yeah. they have you covered. Yeah. Kick down that door. Look on Instagram, this cool shit. Vamp.stamps. As I was saying, the construction of the action sequences is in this, like the way that he puts together the the gunfights, your geography, the way he so builds these ecosystems of people who are good at this shit, but even within that, there are little, there are little levels. It's just mm-hmm. I love all of it, and it's everything from maids that do capoeira to <laughs> a special forces. Were they Marine? I don't even know. They're just... They're, they, were CIA, they were a CIA wet squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you're talking about the Dance of the Dead arc, right? Yeah. There um, are so many flavors in this. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of got their own, like, thing in this show. Yeah. Like, everyone kind of... Um, and it's great because... So I've gone on about this before. Like, a thing that, like, sometimes bothers me in anime, with anime world building, is how... Um, it feels too structured at times. It feels too much like there's this weird set of rules that everyone is adhering to for whatever reason in whatever setting it happens to be. And those rules do kind of seem to exist in a very soft way in this series, but no one talks about them constantly the way that they do in, like... Oh, was the thing that I was just watching? Uh, Chivalry of a Failed Knight, right? Where, you know, like, everyone... Like, there's, like, a name for everything. There's, uh, uh, there's a name. There's a, every, there's a level for everything. It's like, oh, but you're a level whatever, and I'm a level that you shouldn't be able to... Uh, shit like that, right? That is only ever implied and only ever very lightly implied in Black Lagoon. Like, you look at two people, and you just sort of are left to... Um, Left to figure out who's coming out on top just based on what you've already seen of both uh, characters rather than, you know, what you've uh, heard or been told about them. Yeah, I think a lot of action anime suffers from the problem that it sounds like you're describing ranks in sumo. Yeah. Uh, For those of you who aren't as plugged in, just sumo has this very interesting, actually, just system of ranks and sub-ranks and tournaments that people move up and down and who they can challenge conceivably, yada, yada. Huh. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a whole, it's a whole thing. I'm surprised you could you could definitely structure like a whole wrestling thing around. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, around it. Sometimes I think that's just why NJPW's booking is better, but that's a whole other could thing. Could be. Could I mean like this sort of system? I guess works a whole lot in you know a sports based thing, right? It works. It works in a sports based thing. It works in real life where the drama is automatically carried out, but. Yeah. When you attach it to the level of reality as opposed to sort of artificially impo- externally exposed sports rankings, it mm-hmm. gets kind of weird. It just takes something out of what you're doing in the storytelling a lot. Yeah. And this has been a long-winded way of saying that Black Lagoon does not have that problem. Black Lagoon doesn't have that problem. It does not feel, like, burdened by the um, by the idea that it should, you know, have, like, these stats attached to characters. I've, I, I've never loved when that is a thing. I've never loved that either. If I were to give Kingdom one flaw, and it's moved away from this... But there was a little period, I think it must have been like 400 chapters, and it's been going on for a while. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where, like... You keep asking me to, like, read this. You're like a One Piece fan. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all just read Kingdom, Denard. <laughs> Yo, bro, you ever heard of these two cities? <laughs> bro, sometimes there's war, and sometimes, sometimes there's, there's peace. You got a weekend? All right, so... But I just remember there's this one chapter where... Like, right after, it just included, like, these stat sheets for the characters of their their strength number mm. out of 100. And you could have seen a blood vessel burst in my right eye. And I'm like, no, no, his strength ranking is two people's walk into the sword fight and one person walks out. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Yes, I... It's this very kind of light novel-y thing. Yeah. I've noticed I've noticed it is a big deal in light novels specifically and kind of bled out into like the greater, you know, sort of weebosphere from light novels. And I understand 
and became what isekai it became like yeah, the bones e- that isekai is built upon is stats and which I, I fucking hate there's a reader for that that gets something out of that mm-hmm. but there's also a strong dedicated readership for feet <laughs> and often when you are trying to tell a good story for a wider audience you will not have tracking shots of feet unless you're Quentin Tarantino yeah that's the thing i was i was going to say he's regarded as one of the better filmmakers of our time <laughs> yes yes Tell you what, if you are Quentin Tarantino, when you feel your overall is as strong as, when you've already made Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction, hop on that feet train. Show me your feet, whatever. Mm-hmm. Until then, yeah. hold back on the toesies. Yes. <laughs> oh, I've gone and, like, done my fucking kids these days. <laughs> thing that I try not to do so much but uh no the um you know you're down on yourself about that sometimes I will remind you you have just sounded like that since you were 13 I've been 40 since the day I was fucking born apparently it's a it's a whole thing like what's gonna happen when I actually am 40 it's not that long from now it's just 10 years out that's not a long time you're gonna have a lot to say about digital fashion probably uh <laughs> Wait, have you have you just heard of that or? Oh no, I I know what you're talking about. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> like I some, somehow I think I hate it worse than NFT. No, no, I don't. I hate NFT. Yeah, I don't, I don't think digital fashion is smacking the environment around as much. Nor is it like like yet another way for crypto bros to be the most annoying fucking people on this earth. Look, I my Overton window has moved to fine. Be annoying. Please just stop lighting rainforests on yeah. fire. I think they're trying to work on a coin called Solana that, in theory, is more process efficient. Okay, sure. At which point, at least they will just become irksome. Whatever. I just, save as JPEG. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we are... Um, screen cap. If you gotta crop it. Cool, now I have your monkey, too. We are a right-click save as uh, family here out of Weeaboo <laughs> So... <laughs> so, um... There's that, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out like where I was here. Something, 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 wild shit. We were we were kind of talking about like the wild shit that this that this show gets on. It strikes um oh yeah, yeah, here we go. Um it has this really good idea of when it wants to be like nutty John Woo action movie and when it wants to slow down. Uh, and just kind of, like, talk about shit that, uh, that Rei Hiroe thinks is interesting. Yeah, I do like that arrangement. I do like his sort of askance, head-tilting eye, just a sort of general Black Opsy world. Yes. Which, one thing I like about Black Lagoon is that thing receives a way sort of harsher overall judgment than just the concept of criminality. Yes, yes, uh, the idea of, uh, American intervention not exactly smiled upon by uh by by Mr. Hiroe. And I'm not even like not even in a whole like uh imperial Japanese apologist sort of way. No, he's talking about like Reagan era yeah, to yeah. now. Uh Reagan era to present American intervention, how he's like Why the fuck are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck you think you're doing? It's like, I, I know you have this hobby of not improving your life or ours. And in fact, degrading the quality of our life. Maybe you shouldn't. Um, it's pretty pointed that it is vastly easier to sympathize with the fucking triads in this. Yes. Who are still the triads. Like, they're still the triads. They're still not great people. None of these people are good people. Like, Rock is the best person, kind of just by definition in this show, and even he is not that great of a person Rock would be the worst person in a normal room. Yes. Uh, At at this point, I mean, like, early on, he's just kind of like a normal guy who... What I like about Rock is that, like, he didn't even know how firmly he held these beliefs until they were tested. Mm. Uh, He probably, like, didn't even think about this sort of thing before this series began, right? Yeah, he got thrown into a real philosophical pressure test. I I like that about this show. I like that about how, like, it... How a 
normal person put into circumstances like this would cease to be normal really fucking fast, which is another reason that he works so well as a kind of non-action guy it's, and as a viewer cipher. He's not even a viewer cipher the way that a lot of like boring anime yeah. protagonists are. He gets his beliefs pressed against at against from different angles, which I like. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy just the whole brief exchange with the other sort of wayward Japanese organizational type of figure. It's not as hack as it sounds. It's 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 different. Mm-hmm. But I have a bad habit of saying everything in snark ease. Like, do you remember when when fucking Han Solo said, "I know I, that's my life." <laughs> but um, I think this is referred to. Is an irony addiction. Irony addiction, irony poisoning. Irony poisoning, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I thought... like I, it's slowly killing me too. <laughs> but the point is, there is a figure that is a sort of effective foil to Rock's viewpoint, and it's also a guy who also has his own sort of strong booth that he also does adhere to. But he sort of comes from a place that may have been more comfortable to begin with. Like he was essentially a. What was this group of, like his whole ja- his whole Japanese co- borderline Soviet thing? Oh, you're talking no no uh, the, the, he's a communist. Yeah, he's a communist. Okay, uh, just that's he's, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like a member of like the the JRA, the Japanese Red Army. Yeah, and he's basically still trying to make to his make that happen. communist ideals work in a way in the way that Rock's still trying to attach himself to his, like humanist ideals. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And once uh, again, her- it kept it keeps fucking happening. I'm trying to describe how. This series is close to just having, like, the guy from My Friend Pedro with the skateboard and the machine guns. And I keep talking about all the stuff that's going on underneath it. Black Lagoon is a series that is successfully operating on two levels. Yes. Is what I say. Um, I... Because when you read this, you will be thinking, you saw all the smart shit, and now there's this, like, made with a grenade launcher. What the fuck? <laughs> and I'm tell- and I'm trying to brace you. There is the made of the grenade launcher, and it is also sweet, and I love that. But yes. there's also this stuff, and I think it's very cool that... This captures both. I, what I, what is the most impressive to me about Black Lagoon is the fact that he is able to marry these two things yeah. in the way that he does when they should be so diametrically opposed to one another. It's such that like you can like you should only be able to have a series have one of these things exist or the other of these things exist. And if they both existed together, then the f- series would feel weird and janky and like it was trying to be do t- two different things, but. Yeah, Instead they're... of that, Black Lagoon really manages to be a very singular thing, its own thing, unlike really any other anime I've ever watched or manga I've ever read. There is an alternate world where Black Lagoon is less skilled and probably not even bad in this world, mm-hmm. but it just basically keeps slam-cutting between like fight scenes from God of High School and conversations from The Departed. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just the most jarring thing in the world, but yeah, it achieves that marriage in a in a good way. I mean, maybe it's just because he knows how to pace shit out correctly. Yeah, like he knows like when to sit down and have them talk about Sartre. Oh, Ray Harore, super fucking into existentialist philosophy. He will like he will have characters talk about it all the time. He loves that shit. Uh, yeah. He loves like the idea of you know like nihilism and determinism and you know like uh what should we do in this world where nothing means anything right Right. that's like actually one of the main themes of this uh of this series he's like he's fascinated by all this and he will have characters talk about it at length right before a dude deflects a bullet with a katana (laughs) (laughs) oh man he saved the katana on gunfight like someone edging you I love Reverie's reaction to it. Like, it's the coolest fucking thing she's ever seen (laughs) in her entire goddamn life, and she wants to see him do it again. Wonderful. (laughs) And that is a action sequence in an arc that ends in abject tragedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, uh, the... That was a downer. <laughs> that, was a, that was a real fucking downer. A lot of a lot of the arcs actually have kind of downer endings to real, them. Real, uh, real Capulet Montague shot there. Mm, yeah. <sighs> Just fucking Mary holding her kid. Yes. I really want to see this series like have an ending. I would really appreciate it too, if the author of this series could stop drawing porn <laughs> long enough. 
<laughs> to finish the action hit of our generation. He'll draw some dojinsi here and there. Uh, he will also sometimes create the uh, the sleeper hits, or sleeper slash underrated anime recreators. I think recreators made its money to give the world its credit. It's not quite the distance between like success and content that like Samurai Flamenco had. Sure, but I do not really see it being part of any real popular conversations inside of the Weebosphere or out. Fair so enough. I will. I still think it's fair to call it uh, underrated. And it's, yeah, that he wrote it. It's very much him. It's him doing something completely different than Black Lagoon, but it is very much Ray Hurui writing a you know writing a series and it has like a bunch of the same kind of yeah he, he also really had fun flexing his reading spectrum because the thing basically has like industry-wide xp cameos it's it's, it's, it's a strange show you mm-hmm. you enjoy it maybe we'll talk about it one day i don't did we talk about it i feel like we might have oh wow real blue hell's been going on for a while yeah we've been doing this for a double dip soon Oof. that'd be interesting wouldn't it yeah and yeah, I don't think he. I don't think the protagonist like he finds the same success with the protagonist of Recreators that he did with uh, with Rock. Ultimately, I do think that oh oh Rock oh Black Lagoon is sort of better character. Black Lagoon Black Lagoon is just the better series of the two of them. Uh, it how, was fun. Yeah, but it was fun. Yeah, uh, and it, it had like a lot of interesting things about it. Certainly. Um, All right, I'm gonna steal a joke from Red Leather Media. Okay, so would you recommend Black Lagoon? <laughs> Because we've yeah. been oh, because we've been we've been like we've gushing been... about it for the last like yeah, fucking yeah, hour. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, I would. Yes, yes. Fucking watch it. God, <laughs> why haven't you yet? Jesus Christ! It's a it's a great question. It's also a very well done in comic form, and you know, pick your poison. Pick your poison. Oh, interestingly enough, yeah. uh, one of these series. It is one of those series where the dub is actually pretty superior to the uh, to the original Japanese. So. Try and find the dub. It's really fucking good. Oh, I haven't tried the dub yet. Okay. It's really good. All right, people. Um, Enjoy one of the six holy dubs, I guess. Yeah. It's uh, like, honestly, I cannot watch it in Japanese. I think one of the things about the series is that it's, it, he almost wrote it in such a way where he wants it to be in English because that is like canonically the language that everyone is speaking. Oh, yeah. That's sort of lingua franca and the... Uh... Yeah, and poor underground. And uh, and So like, there's this there's this scene or there's this whole uh, arc where they go to Tokyo and you know, um, one of the characters will just like in the dub will be speaking Japanese and it's like subtitled and everything because that is happening in universe. So you sort of uh, are imagining, yeah, like you've got Rock right, who is multilingual, right? But mm-hmm. then you've got Revy, uh, and then the other two uh, the other two members of the Lagoon Trading Company who I have not actually mentioned up to now, um, you know, Dutch and Benny, right? Both of them American too. All three of those all three of those characters I'm pretty sure only speak English. Yeah, yeah. So like that is another one of the ways in which, you know, sort of Rock makes his use known around the around the cast so that he can talk to basically anyone. He is their uh, Rosetta Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because this series is I don't know, it's it's really fascinating. Uh, because he wrote this series in such a way that he just is imagining everyone speaking speaking English to one another. For whatever reason, the English dub, maybe maybe that is the reason that it feels all the better, or just the fact that, like, they gave such a shit. Like, the voice direction uh, is so good. The voice acting is so good. Let's see, I haven't tipped in this dub, but that's something for people to think about at home when you're yeah. watching this. Watch it. Watch it or kicked out. Please, please watch it. Listen, listen, at least one of you watched fucking milf isekai ironically because of the show you need to balance the scales of the universe i i need you to do me this favor and just watch black lagoon i need to be able to talk about black lagoon with more people i'm always telling them to watch it i'm not asking them how much they liked it because they haven't seen it yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh that is a thing so yeah check that business out this has been Weeaboo Hell. It Once is again, hell. peddling vamp stamp tattoos. Grab it. Morgan Nail has it. fallen asleep. Peg it. Peace out. Eat it, Eric Adams. Fuck you, you cough. <laughs>